Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Episode 5 of the Arts Academy Podcast with Victor Vernado and Roxy Hayes. How to Make Your Web Series with special guest Heather Fink. So I'm going to spend this first part talking about making your own web series. And when I went, and I've, I've done web series for myself, I've done web series for other people, and I've also done web series for like large companies. In fact, uh, on May 5th, uh, if this is on May 5th, a web series that I did for Penguin Random House and Facebook Watch is premiering. It's a game show. Um, Roxy did actually some graphics for that as well. And so that web series is premiering May 5th. So uh, look out for that. It's called The Great Fantasy Debate. And it is uh, famous authors and comedians debating over fantasy topics like what's what's better? Is it too better to be part of the rebellion or part of the empire? That kind of thing. So yeah. uh, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, Jim Butcher, who wrote The Dresden Files, is on it. So, But anyway, so I've made, I've made a web series varying levels for uh from no budget to hundreds of thousands and then actually in some cases millions of dollars because now you can spend millions of dollars and still put stuff on the web uh because everything on netflix is technically a web series anyway <laughs> so uh i think that the one thing that people who are just starting out don't think about when they're trying to make a web series is making it sustainable that's really it. like making like setting yourself up with some sort of production that is easy for you to maintain that's the one thing that i think a lot of people don't think about because when people want to make their web series they want to impress people uh often they want to make it flashy and i totally get that but i think the number one thing when you're thinking about making web series is sustainability like if you are if you are like a a, a one person production team or you've got just a couple yeah, of friends and trying to make a web trying to make a web series then it's it's about being cheap it's about making it possible to execute and something that's easily sustainable all right so let's just go down the list i'm actually going to go over notes of a class that i teach about how to make a web series but i'm just going to go over all of those notes and try to give them to you for free all right so the first thing we always usually talk about is web series formats uh have you have either of you made web series before? yeah yeah, yeah. long time ago <laughs> Yeah. Well, how, can you describe your format of your web series? Well, I'm talking early days of the internet, like mm -hmm. 2007. I had a series of talking raw meats called Meats. <laughs> <laughs> and it, that actually went viral on the front page of MySpace back in the day, which was pretty wild. Um, oh, MySpace. Wow. Yes, that's oh, how old. Um, but the negative was sustainability made me think about how frustrating. It, well, I mean, we love doing it, but we had to work with live meat puppets. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that wasn't so great to revisit all the time. A little, a little stinky, a little unsanitary. So no, I get uh, it. It's it's hard to make things that it's hard to make things that are um, easy easy to reproduce, like mm -hmm. week after week after week. Um, how about you? What was yours, Roxy? Um, mine was more like a 
kind of like a Saturday Night Live style show, I guess it, you would call it. It was the Roxy Hayes show. So it was a sketch show. It was a variety sketch show. And um, I actually had like a couple producers and stuff like that. And guess I guess to kind of touch on your point, point, it was not sustainable. It was not something that we could keep doing because none of us really had money. Um, most people were like working for free or like, you know, kind of helping out. But like just I had kind of like a big cast and we were trying to shoot like multiple sketches and like right. and stuff like that. It was just way too much. And at that point, I didn't really have a social media presence. So like we spent a lot of money trying to do this thing and we had like a couple different episodes, but it wasn't really getting any views. Got it. OK, well, and and I think that really feeds into my point, which is mm -hmm. just like sustainability. Yes, 1,000%. Um, I want to, I'll talk about different formats and then I'll talk about uh, different formats that that are, I'll talk about sustainable versions of those formats. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one format that everybody uh, uh, thinks about is narrative. That's, uh, it, these, are, these are all like scripted formats that I'm talking about first. A narrative format is something like what Broad City was that started out as a web series. High Maintenance is an example that started out as a web series. Uh, those, I, I know that in Broad City, one of the things that they did, one of the things that they did was they weren't really worried about when they put theirs out. They were just worried about finishing them. I th I feel like I feel like something like Broad City. It's easier to do if you keep it to one location uh, and you you don't really bring in like advanced lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, and well, as a matter of fact, I know that's actually what they did. I actually made a huge mistake once uh, because. Uh, they asked me to direct an episode of their old web series. And I was like, I ain't got time for that. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, not that it would have boosted my career or anything. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't that still. mean about it, but I was just like, I, I, I literally didn't have time to help them. And so, but then they went on to become super famous and they hired somebody to kill me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, that's a simple, that's a simple format. Another scripted, style that's actually easier to produce is the video essay style. I'm sure you've seen a bunch of those, right? Mm -hmm. A video essay style, like video essay are usually where people will sit down at a computer and they'll write, say a few hundred words, and then they'll read those few hundred words uh, into a microphone and then they'll put images on top of those words mm -hmm. wherever they're appropriate. Uh, which is, uh, as you can already tell, it's it's much easier to produce than a script series. Although a lot of the, I mean, much easier to produce than a narrative series. But the video essay series is actually uh, there. There's some that have caught on. And it it really is just like you can if you can if you're a good writer and you can write a good article. This is a really straightforward way to go. I actually did a video essay series where it was a combination. Actually, I'll talk about that in a little bit because because uh why not because i'm actually going back to it now uh doing my web series which is a video essay series uh infographic series they're kind of like video essay series except what they usually do is they use graphics and or charts to make things uh more palatable for instance like here's an example of a video essay series um if you ever heard of uh minute physics can you guys hear that? Can you guys hear the t the minute no. physics? No. Okay, it doesn't matter. I'm going to turn down the audio. Minute physics. Yeah, minute physics is a version. Minute physics is 
a web series where they really just talk about physics and stuff like that. And they, they basically just draw <laughs> on uh, paper and speed it up and that's oh, yeah. it. And so like really all this takes is uh, one day of writing uh, and then one day of pointing your camera at the paper once, once you have all the, once you have all the slides planned out and just drawing those slides. And honestly, one of the things that they do, which it, people love it, is to watch people draw. However, however, that's actually really low, low production, like mm -hmm. uh, on the production end. Of course, there are people who do much bigger things, like, for instance, the infographic show, which is the same type of thing, except everything is everything is after effects and infographics obviously these guys take a lot more time uh but uh, but one thing they do do i love saying do do by the way is <laughs> they will they'll buy graphics online and then use those graphics pre, uh prepared graphics and then adjust them from there uh, on outs anyway those are both examples of infographics type shows which can be made let's talk about other formats magazine shows really easy to make a magazine show is a show usually where somebody just straight up talks straight to the camera about something and then they will usually like put in like b-roll which just means like footage on top of it to explain like the news basically is a magazine show like and there are all kinds of news magazine shows. There's stuff like uh, one of one of my favorites is like Nerdist News, which is just news about nerdy things where it really is just somebody straight talking to the camera. Sorry, I'm going to I'm waiting for this ad to skip over so that I can show you what I'm talking about. It really is just somebody straight talking to the camera and then cutting back and forth. And then cutting back and forth to uh, the person talking and then just clips like isn't this great uh also if you do a show like this then because of fair use you can actually use clips from all over the net so you can like you can like download trailers or interviews or anything else like if you're if you are reporting on and speaking about that particular thing then you through fair use you can actually use clips of everything which is how they get away with all of this mm. it has to be what under 15 seconds? How long? No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, doesn't have to be. It just as long as you are talking about it specifically and if, as long as you're talking about it specifically and you need those clips to illustrate what you're talking about, that falls under fair use. It doesn't yeah. have to be a certain number of seconds. You can't just say, hey, I really like the movie, uh, you know, Mad Max, and then show the entire movie. You can't do that. Yeah. But <laughs> you can't say this scene in Mad Max is uh, specifically interesting because of X and you can show the entire scene. Hmm. If uh, I mean, I wouldn't do just that. I wouldn't make that your format forever. <laughs> uh, there's talk show formats. We all know what those are. There's uh, sketch comedy formats, uh, which is what Roxy did. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I did an essay, documentary, and infographic hybrid called Ooh. I Think I'm Having Fun. Um, and I'll show you a little bit of this. Basically, I Think I'm Having Fun is just a series where I just talk about what it's like working as a entertainment professional. And I would just, and, and sometimes it would be like, 
it would be like things like, oh, this is what it's like to go out at night in New York City and do stand-up. And sometimes it would be like, hey, these are all the different ways that I thought that I was crazy for a while. Uh, and then I would just... And, and it would, it's a combination. It would be a combination of footage that's... Uh, footage, sometimes I would just walk around with my phone on me and take random footage. Uh, this is... This is B-roll that I could get from a regular uh, website like Storyblocks, where I subscribe for twenty dollars a month, and I can then use like uh, their footage for B-roll. Uh, and then this, uh, of course, is also footage from my phone. This is just me, like when I go to different shows. Basically, what I did was I kept my old phone on me, and then my old phone would just be something I would just pull out and shoot random stuff at. And I would shoot my performances and then at the end of the week I would just dump stuff from my old phone and then write an essay around that which was a, a simple way to produce stuff and then also also to fill in the blanks like if there's something that I if there's something that I didn't have video footage to support then I would just draw it and so I would mm. lay down a uh, lay down note cards like a, a notebook full of note cards and then I would draw I think it's coming up right now so you can just see it. Actually, there's that. Oh, whoops. I'm clicking on that like it's a YouTube video. So the, yeah, that's what I would do. I would lay down note cards and I would just draw on the note cards and then talk over that as well. So it was like a hybrid of all of them. And the way I broke it down for myself was uh, one day I would write. Uh, one day I would draw on the note cards. So basically I would just take like 30 to 45 minutes every day. Uh, and then one day I would one day I would edit. Uh, or maybe two day dollars at it. So basically by taking like, I would say like up to an hour each day, then by the end of the week, I would have a new episode done. That footage is making me miss New York so much. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and humans. <laughs> and humans. Are you sheltering in place? Yes, in Los Angeles. <laughs> in Los Angeles. Yeah. Then of course there's unscripted formats. Uh, you know you can make documentaries. In fact, in fact, when you're doing a documentary hybrid, like a lot of people would consider that an unscripted format. Uh, I have shot documentaries, like full like documentary pieces, just using um, my cell phone, which is which is totally doable. Um, I I want to show you quickly like what you can do. With your cell phone, I shot a whole I shot a whole documentary about my friend who entered a eating contest at a local restaurant, and so for that, all of this was shot on my phone, and I basically just used techniques that I normally use uh, techniques that I normally use like when I'm working on uh, large shows like uh, uh, unscripted shows for say like VH1, but I just did it did it with my phone. Shot this all within like one hour, and then took maybe two hours to edit it because I really wasn't trying to like make it pristine but I just wanted to get something out there but still it works as a working like just cool little documentary thing about him entering an eating contest and almost throwing up at the end <laughs> just I mean basically if you if you have any story you can tell from beginning to end even like this is me going out to brunch with my friends and you can tell that story from beginning to end through video it's interesting if you take people into any sort of world uh any sort of world that they don't normally have access to and you just show them the details of it, people love it. And it doesn't have to be like crazy. Uh, it doesn't have to be crazy detailed. It just has to be honest. People like that sort of thing. Honesty, huh guys? Isn't that crazy? 
<laughs> All right. When you've picked your format and then you've decided like how you're going to produce your format, and, and, and remember, there's still like many, many formats. There's like reaction videos. There's videos where all you do is sit down and watch other things and then video your reaction, which is a really easy thing to uh, do. There's uh, product reviews. Like people open up products, tell people what they think of them, get millions of views online just because they do it consistently. Uh, vlogs, which are really just like diary entries straight to the camera. Uh, there's gaming videos where you play games. I, I know that you know all about that, Roxy. Roxy's way into games. Uh, there's gaming videos where you play games, uh, you comment on it. I, I think people say that you can get a huge following from gaming videos if you do one of two things. Either you're good at the games or you're funny. And if you're both, perfect. Uh, and those are lucrative. Super lucrative. I'm oh, sure yeah, they're super lucrative. <laughs> so strange i know right it is what it is but if you think about it like we're we've got a we've got a a marketing i mean now now our market is the whole world it's not like it's not like a lot of people that i know especially like in the comedy world they're always thinking locally rather than globally Uh and so i i really Really, a couple of years ago, I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm not going to focus on locally anymore because, one, I don't like to tour, so I'm not going to be that local touring comic guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, two, I mean, I actually, t- I do like to tour, but only if they treat me like a princess. Like, if I'm treated <laughs> like... If I'm treated like gold, then I like to tour. But if I'm like, hey, sleep in this crappy motel, I'm like, nah, no thanks. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so then... So then, like, rather than rather than spending seven hours on making a local show, I would spend seven hours on developing a, an article that got published in Vice instead, and that got me a lot more notoriety. Uh, yeah, than that local show did. Uh, Q and A videos are really simple. Mm-hmm. People collect. This is sort of like what we're doing right now, but people collect questions and then they just answer them in videos, and then that's it. That's that's what they do. I think that those are all like super viable. So once you've got your style chosen, then it's then you got to decide like how you're going to produce it and break it down. Um, so tell me about like uh, you talked about your meat production, Heather. <laughs> Why don't you tell me a little bit about like how you produce that? Because maybe oh. there's a way that it can be even broken down. Yeah. Uh, well, back in that day, YouTube was new, and I just wanted to shoot and make stuff with what I had. And so, um, I did, I was shooting sketch comedy all the time. I mean, most of my stuff was, were one-offs. My bigger successful things were spoofs of gossip girl that went really viral. Um, and yeah, I just, well, I used to have a day job, like a nine to five. I was a business lady and I would just take my money from work and buy basic things. Like I bought a DVX and I had a boom microphone and we just made it like that. And I had, uh, I guess, yeah, I got Final Cut Pro on my computer. I got like a discounted version and that was it. You know, I got mm-hmm. some really basic things that I used with my day. I got with my day job and I would have a crew of five people. I had an agreement with my cinematographer at the time, Daniel Zimmer, who's still out in New York City doing his thing, um, yeah. where he could use my camera for free if um, he shot my stuff for free. So that's mm-hmm. how that worked. Oh, that's a really good trade. In fact, yeah. I did a music Art. video sort of like that where I wanted to do a music video for a friend of mine. His name is uh, Shaq Stanley. And then in the music video, what I did, and it, and it looks, 
here, let me let me show you a little clip of the music video. Uh, it's called Frittata Swag. If anybody's out there, if you Google Frittata Swag, it'll be the first thing that comes up because there's not many many things called Frittata Swag. I'm sure. Anyway, so we did this video. We did this video called Frittata Swag, and then the and then basically. I got a really good cinematographer to work on the music videos. You can see like a lot of the shots just like look really good and the lighting is pretty sweet. Um, but basically I put up a posting which said, Hey, I've got a hundred dollars for somebody to shoot this, but I'll have my own camera available. I have my own lights available. You, all you need to come in and just give me your time. And I have a, I have a tight shot list will be done in three to four hours period and if we're not done by then you're free to walk off and so <laughs> and so i just said if anybody is just like around and wants to help me with this it's just a passion project please come do it i feel like asking like that is the only way to ask people to work for underpriced just like if you're yeah. just like a hundred percent honest and you also try to make it really really easy for them then yeah. you can get like somebody good to come and help you because for this yeah. the entire budget of this video was five hundred dollars and so that being the case, like, I, I mean, I was honest with him. I was like, I told him the entire budget was $500 and was coming out of my pocket. Yeah. Um, and it was all made with friends who I can't yeah. afford anymore unless I had a real budget. So, exactly. Yeah. Barter mm -hmm. system always works. Oh, yeah. yeah. Barter. I'm good at like, hey, I'll, if you help me film this and edit this, then I'll help you edit this when you need that. So like just utilizing all your resources to, ah, hold on, my hand got stuck in my own pocket. Yeah. I think I would I would suggest the barter system for like one off projects, but for like yeah. a continuing project, like a web series, unless it's just like you have a sustained way of bartering. For instance, mm -hmm. like when you're talking about like you had a camera and your friend could use the camera for free as long as he kept shooting your stuff. That's a sustained yep. bartering thing. Yeah, I, I it's just it's just harder. Yeah, yeah we all got older and mm -hmm. people's rates went up and their demand yeah. and so no longer i mean uh, I, I eventually had to come to these people with paid gigs which eventually happened um mm -hmm. and for example i know we're eventually going to talk about my feature but i did have a decent amount of people who were volunteering on that working mm -hmm. for free um or cheap and because i knew that and cared about it i put in a lot of effort to try to get these people hired on get work and help them with their career, make, give them connections, give them talks on here's how you do this. And I think they can all attest to that. Um, and then I know once someone who worked her way up from PA on my feature then was the production coordinator on the next paid gig that I had. And then she worked her way up to producer on the TV pilot I shot after that. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's yeah. awesome. I think, well, yeah. now, uh, Oh, well, let me finish. Let me finish this. And then I, I actually want to get into talking about your feature. So I just want to finish just a couple of things. Uh, so for pre-production, pre-production, -pre uh, for me, what I usually do is I actually do it by the numbers because that helps me that helps me focus. Like a lot of people can go in sometimes and shoot without much written down, but I am a guy who likes to do like a script and a shot list and, okay. and, 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 and to be honest, that does help, like, especially if I'm going to try to get someone who's good to work with me, it's good to have all of those things together. If you are, uh, we're going to, we're going to buzz right through this because we don't have time to like show people like huge examples. But if you are like trying to write a screenplay, there's lots of ways to write for free. Like one of the easiest is uh, Celtics. That's a, that's, 
that's uh, the free version of that software is out there, and you can write screenplays. There's actually screenplay templates that are out there for Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite is Fade In software. I use that software a lot, especially because like you buy it once, and it's I think it's only like fifty bucks right now. You buy it once, but you can download it on every device that you have, which is super useful. Like your phone, your your phone, your uh, laptop, your desktop, and then you have a copy everywhere, and you can sh- share your files. And I like that very, very much. Um, depending on what you're doing, you can either use a traditional script format, which is something like this, which is a tr- this is actually a script that is from a short that I did uh, with a puppet, a puppet who is a racist puppet, um, and then he's in a bar and he gets in a fight. At the time, it, this is also like a short where I called in a favor, and then so like the guy he gets in a fight with is Michael Che. Uh, so, but that's uh, yeah, racist puppet fighting Michael Che. But the, from in my actual class, I guess what I, what I often do is I'll like hand out the script and then show people how the actual final scene worked out, and then also show them the shot list about how it was goes from like script to shot list to storyboard to final scene, so you can just like see the whole process, uh, which is I think uh, pretty useful. Then, if you're not doing this type, if you're doing like something that's more like a commercial, like a commercial, those are usually written. Uh, in a two-column format where there on the right side is the audio and on the left side is descriptions of what the video are. Uh, in fact, if you just look up commercial script or Google commercial script, you can find out a lot more about that style, um, which is what I use a lot for, like, uh, I would say, promo music videos. videos. Right. Music videos do that a lot, too, exactly. It's very useful for that kind of thing. Um, let's talk about, uh, how you might produce things. Uh, you know, I am an advocate of just like when I'm producing something like a web series, I'm an advocate of just using the absolute simplest production tools. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'm a hundred percent behind. Like I have like, I have, I have my regular phone, which is right here, but then I also have, where is it? My old cracked phone. But I can load all my software on my old cracked phone and I can just stick it in my pocket or charge it up fully and just use it to shoot whatever it is I want to shoot. And especially for like the, the style that I was uh, talking about for my documentary that was kind of like my uh, week in the life sort of documentary, just like having a phone on me where I always can pull out it's always charged up and I can shoot a little something. I don't have to worry about the space on it because I just dump everything off of it and then uh, it becomes it's it, it becomes everything. It it's it's all I need for production from beginning to end. It I did spend money on Filmic Pro, which is a software that makes phones shoot more quote unquote professionally, even though like you'll never be truly professional from a phone. I mean, at least not not yet. But, but, uh, yeah, it could totally, it's, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to happen. Like, uh, Steven Soderbergh has shot many features on phones, like think like three so far. Uh, yeah. Uh, unsane was an entire feature that Steven Soderbergh shot on like an iPhone. And that was like a couple of years ago when iPhones weren't the best, but it's still, 
it still looks all right. So, yeah, I mean, at the moment, all those people doing that, like Tangerine, for example, they have really great support systems that they put on there. And I wonder if this software you use gives it like the 24p frame rate. Or does it do that? Oh, it absolutely does. It gives you the 24. Okay. You can choose your frame rate. You can do 24p. You can do slow motion. Like it, it basically just like they they made this software. This is actually uh, this is actually unsane shot by Steven Soderbergh. So mm -hmm. they make they make their they make their software uh, so that for each phone, it it cranks up the mechanics in the phone as far as it can possibly go. And, and then so, he's got great lighting. So yeah, and he's, yeah, and he's got great lighting. But I mean, but like I said, like the the that little documentary thing that I showed you, where I, where I, my friend Pete was entering the eating contest. I mean, it was just great lighting because like if you go to like a burger joint they have a specific style of lighting that you that people just accept and it's it's good enough yeah. it can be good enough this is in fact i think that most i think that what comes out of phones can look way better than this actually looks like this looks okay it's kind of muddy and but you can get a way better image out of this uh if you uh just tweak it a little bit better yeah, because most most phones have what four K capability now. Absolutely, yeah, they have four K. I mean, I, I I'm guessing this was shot in four K. Mm -hmm. I'm so guessing it's about the muddiness. You think it's the just like the coloring of it, or yeah, that definitely looked color corrected. But yeah. um, you know, and it, you can also put these little lenses on the phone and stuff that can make mm -hmm. a big difference. So I'm assuming they did everything that they could do. Absolutely. To trick out that phone. Well, I I think they did, but uh, for instance, like if you look at something like Tangerine, like that is much brighter. Like mm -hmm. the quality, hold on. Yeah, the quality of Tangerine is like much brighter, and it looks. And even though it it was shot on pretty much the exact same system, as uh, it was shot on pretty much the exact same system as what we just saw, but it just looks like much different. Like it looks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all beautifully color-corrected natural yeah. light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. But they also hired a professional sound crew. I mean, for uh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, you, and you, I mean, we're not even listening to the sound, but you can, I mean, you can get pretty good sounds with a... You you can get pretty good sound with a, a non professional setup, but if you've got the ability to hire a professional sound person, please do it, <laughs> because I would say that sound on sound, especially on a narrative, is way more important than anything else. Like people forgive a bad picture, but they don't forgive bad sounds. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> it's a, it replicates a psychological experience, though. It's like, am I watching a movie or am I talking on someone's Zoom conference? You know, that's I think why. Absolutely. I, my full disclosure: my day job is is a sound person. So, oh okay, <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, the, but both. one thing, one thing about one thing about the uh, Zoom thing, I've noticed a lot where people are like a lot of large organizations are like making commercials and videos where they currently they sound like they're on Zoom, or uh, and they're or they sound like they're using their laptop mics, uh, which is unnecessary. They don't have to sound like that. Okay. However, they're doing that because they want to, especially political ads, they want to create the idea that they're going through the same thing that everyone else is going through. Okay. So they're using that audio. I mean, so sometimes it can be a choice, I guess. 
in that case, it, in that case, it definitely is because Elizabeth Warren doesn't have to sound like she's talking to uh, through a laptop when she's uh, making her uh, political ad for uh, to endorse Joe Biden. She doesn't have to sound like that, but she does. Um, yep. I have a question really quick. Okay, yep. so somebody suggested uh, Rode has an iPhone ready microphone. Are there any other like microphones that you suggest, not just for phones, but just kind of on the cheaper side that people can get if they're trying to um, produce their own um, stuff? I don't have an expertise in those kinds of microphone setups because I, I do it for like movies and TV shows. Yeah, However, yeah. I will say that on the low cost, if you aren't, if you, Rode has an NTG2, which I think is the best quality uh, inexpensive shotgun microphone, but that's mm -hmm. also, I don't, that doesn't plug into iPhones or anything like that. That mm -hmm. would be, back in the day, I used that microphone with my DVX, which had an XLR input. So you'd have to use it with something that has an XLR cable input, which mm -hmm. is that three prong little thing. Oh, yeah. um, I know that Rode has a video mic and all these other things, but I really don't have any experience or knowledge about those things. Okay. I will say Sorry. this, one thing that you can do uh, and you can plug into almost any phone if you use a USB-C audio interface. Well, I mean, that, that, that'll that work with um, most Android phones that have a USB. Uh, but basically, you can get an audio interface. You can get an audio interface for your iPhone or for your Android that will allow you to plug XLR mics of any kind into, into uh, your phone or computer. Uh, now, if and, and I, I understand what you're getting at because, like, obviously, professionally, often a sound is recorded separately than the image. But if you're like on a small production, you you're gonna want that audio recorded to the to the same file that the video is recorded to. Mm -hmm. And the things to search for are, are audio interfaces, uh, uh, digital audio interfaces, uh, a USB C audio interface specifically for Android devices with USB. Uh, inputs, uh, you can, I, I, I think it's cheaper personally to get like a small audio recorder and then plug into that like and then just, and, and the, I mean, yes, you will well, have now, separate audio and video, mm -hmm. but I think it's cheaper to get a small audio recorder and plug into the audio recorder and record your audio separately than it is to buy the setup to go directly into your phone. Gotcha. Yeah, Sorry, sound, devices, uh, sound devices now makes a new uh, lower cost alternative to a Zoom or a Tascam called the Mix Pre, and I highly recommend that for mm -hmm. a variety of uses, video and for podcasting and all kinds of things. The, the Mix Pre? Yeah, from sound devices. It's mm -hmm. very high. I mean, what it does is, I'm not try, I don't work for them or anything, but it's just what it does is something that never existed before at that price range. So yeah, under a thousand. Oh, oh wow. anyway, yeah. just putting it out there. <laughs> Well, that's great. I mean, if yeah. you, but if, uh, if you guys want to know more about that and you go to the Facebook page for Alt Arts Academy, uh, then if, if you put that question specifically, I can actually look it up and then show you what I might use. Because I mean, I, I've gone from, I mean, I've gone from working on million dollar projects to also working on zero dollar projects at the start. And so, and so like, I have definitely gone into Radio Shack and found the best Radio Shack mic to oh, use. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, I did a short oh. film. I did a short film that I spent maybe fifty, sixty dollars on, and then oh, ended wow. up licensing it to Comedy Central for ten thousand dollars. Because like that? <laughs> it was it was one location, Radio Shack mic, borrowed a camera. 
and uh, and ten thousand dollars later, I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want that information for me, so I'm gonna go ask that question on the page. And if yeah. anybody else wants to ask a question, feel free. We're here to answer your questions. We yeah. totally are. Uh, I mean, and of course, you can use uh, DSLR cameras, prosumer cameras. I mean, there's there's so many cameras out there. Like if you if you've got the money for a camera, then great. However. Think about renting a camera. It's actually cheap. It's so cheap to rent a camera. And if you have, if you have someone who's a, a great cinematographer who is ready to work with you, rent an awesome camera for a week and shoot something amazing. I mean, I guess this is not necessarily for a web series if you're going to be ongoing, but if you are going to shoot like a one-off thing, rent a camera, go like Lens Pro to go. Like it, it is actually really, really cost-effective. You can get... A, a very nice camera for like 100 or 200 bucks for the week and you can shoot something fantastic. If you want to buy a camera that gives you like a really good image for your web series, then I would suggest, oh, yeah. then I would, I mean, there's, there's so many shows online that all they do is talk about like, get this camera or that camera or this camera. And they, they do shootouts with other, with cameras like and test the, the dynamic range. Uh, they test the noise and low light. Uh, like I would say Google uh, camera shootouts and, and especially in YouTube and, and people have already done the work for you. That's actually the best thing about the internet. Almost everything that you can think of researching, someone's already done it. You just have to learn how to Google for the right thing. And someone, someone has already figured out. Like if you just went on YouTube right now and was like best microphone for our, our best cheap, best cheap microphone for video. I think, in fact, you know what? Let's do that together because this is what I always do. I don't, I don't wait for other people to tell me. I just look it up because someone definitely. I might interject best. that I recommend yep. uh, local sound rental houses. If you're in a city like New York, Atlanta, or Los Angeles, in New York, it's Gotham Sound, and you can call them or talk to them. And their prices are better than what's on their websites. And they can recommend people of various different experience levels, the best quality microphones, and they hand make their cables for less money than the quality of cables you get at like B&H or something like that. So just a hot tip there. Yeah, that's that's great, actually. In fact, uh, of course, you would know the uh, the sound rental area way more than I would. But I, but with sound and with camera, I would say on any budget, well, maybe not on huge budget, but uh, owner operators are the way to go. Whether you're hiring a sound person or a camera person, people who own their gear are often very economical with directors they or DPs. They want to expand their reel. With sound people, they don't. They're always going to be the most expensive person you hire. Um, but you might find early career sound people, people in film school that would work for you for a budget because they need to get more experience. So owner operators are definitely the way to go. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's that's actually really good advice. Like if you have a little bit of a budget, like if, and you can find an owner operator, like that's 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 great because they come with their equipment. Um, sometimes an owner operator will also try will also try to have a rental fee for their equipment, which is fair. Uh, mm -hmm. But it just it just depends if you're willing to just like be straight up with people and talk to them about what you're doing, then sometimes you can make a deal. I will say this in my like I've been on both sides where like I have been a person with no money and I'm trying to get somebody to help me. I've been a person who is a professional and somebody's trying to get me to work on something for no money. Uh, I, I think the most fair thing you can do is to just lay it all out there. 
tell people exactly what you're working with, exactly like don't never post something and then surprise people with the, your lack of money. Mm -hmm. Just, just lay it all out there a hundred percent so people can make their decision without wasting their time. Yeah. Let them know what they're getting into and exactly. you'll find someone who's like, hell no, I won't do it for that cheap. And then you'll find someone who's like, this is exactly what I want to be doing right now. So exactly. Like for that music video, like the, the cinematographer, cinematographer who showed up was just great because they were just like, I actually live two blocks away from you. I'll come do it. And they did. And they kicked ass. I was really, really happy. Um, can I also interject really quickly? Cause absolutely. This is kind of experience. Um, and this is just me kind of giving some advice. If somebody says no, and it's going to happen a lot, like don't take it personally. Like I've had people that want to work with me or try to work with me doing like web series and stuff. And I've told them no. And then they've taken it as I'm insulting their art or something like that. So even like when you're asking like cameraman or just somebody to work with you, if they say no, it's not a personal thing or a slight against your art. They may just not want to do it or not be available or not be available. Yeah. yeah. So don't take it personal. That's the quickest way to get people to not want to work with you in the future. So just throwing it out there to some of y'all because some of y'all watching. <laughs> now, I would say that my number one pick for uh, absolutely free editing software is HitFilm Express. There's a lot of free Hit editing Express. software. But HitFilm Express uh, basically has the functionality of, of uh, Premiere Pro and After Effects built into one program. Uh, they have a free version. The free version, the difference between the free version and the paid version, where in the free version, in the paid version, where you'll have like an endless number of effects, in the free version, you don't have an endless number of effects. However, it is absolutely free and you can, you can edit. It's called uh, HitFilm Express. It's it you can get that version for you can get the free version and then you can actually edit a complete feature film with it a lot of people do like five million people have downloaded it's i would say it's my top choice there's a lot of other free editing software like you can use davinci resolve that has a bit more of a learning curve uh but this is the one and 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 if you want to just google free video editing software there's actually tons there's more and more as as the world becomes a place where more people have to like make content, mm -hmm. it's really all over the place. But uh, my favorite, Hit Film Express. All right. So that being said, I think that we're going to be done with this section about how to make your own web series. We talked about a lot. You can find us at artsacademypodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.